I had this unbelievable urge to say a really, really corny joke that I say every year. But I haven't seen you guys since last year. <laughs> you know, guys, we are beginning a new year. And uh, it's just natural as we begin a new year to reflect on the one that just passed and, uh, and to think about what the new year might hold. Uh, life can be tough, and sometimes despite our best efforts, we fall short. On the other hand, this past year might have been a, a absolutely fabulous one for you. You may have hit all your marks, reached all your goals, achieved all your personal, professional, and spiritual heights. This last year may have been just a fabulous year for you. If that's the case, I rejoice with you, and I rejoice with what God did in your life last year. But here's the kicker. Are you ready? For those of you that had a bad year last year, the good news is that the past is not necessarily indicative of the future. And for those of you that had a great year last year, guess what? The bad news is that the past is not necessarily indicative of the future. One victory does not make a person a winner. One loss does not make a person a failure. Many times failure can be the painful stepping stone to success. And sometimes success can go to our heads and cause us to go to failure. So what do we do? Before we answer that, let me ask you a question this morning. Whatever last year was like, would you like... 2017 to be better. Whatever last year was like, would you like 2017 to be better? Would you like for it to be new, fresh, better? Fresh as in not stale. New as in not having the feeling that, you know, I've done this a thousand times before and I'm just tired of it. Better. Whatever your situation, we always want better, don't we? So, you know, our text today gives us the keys to, to having that kind of new year. The interesting part of the story is the difference between the two catches, and I'm going to read the scripture here in a minute. One was a great failure and one was a great success. But before we go any farther and before I read the scripture today, I, I want to, to give you a great truth that you must hold on to. A great truth that you must hold on to. You need to believe it. Because it is true. And here it is. God is interested in your success. God is interested in your success. He is not interested in seeing your life fail. God is interested in you succeeding and having the abundant life that he wants you to have. Now, I'm not talking about the success that some kind of TV preachers talk about, okay? Not doing that. I'm talking about having the joyous, abundant, purposeful, meaningful life that he wants you to have. And if you don't believe that, let me illustrate very quickly. Suppose... One of my children came to me with tears in their eyes. You could see the sadness, the 
the frustration. And they looked up at me and they said, or when my son looked down at me and said, (laughs) Daddy, I'm such a failure. I can't do anything right. I'm such a failure. I can't do anything right. What would I say? How would I reply? Would I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you feel that way. I agree. No, I wouldn't do that. As a loving father, what would I do? I would say, no. No, 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 no. No, you're not a failure. You're anything but a failure. You're, you're, man, you're special. And, and you're loved. And, 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 and you've got all these talents and abilities that God has given you. No, I, 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 would, I wouldn't buy into that for one second. And, and we need to understand that our Heavenly Father loves us so much more than I ever thought about loving my children. And there's no way in the world that He would buy into us coming to Him saying, Father, I'm a failure. I'm not worth anything. I can't do anything right. No, He would say, oh, no, no. (laughs) No, no. See, I created you. And you're special. You're unique. And I love you. What loving parent would not want their children to know that they're loved, that they're unique, they're special. And so, you know, as much as I love my children, here again, God loves you and me much more than that. And so, how can we, in this new year, make it fresh, make it new, make it better? you have your Bibles, we're in the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, starting with verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the prophet, uh, with the people, excuse me, crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night long and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. 
How can we, in this new year, new, fresh, better? New, fresh, better. Number one, we must get with Jesus. We must get with Jesus. How many times in your life have you said to a friend, you know, we really need to get together. We need to spend some time together. Let's do lunch. You know, Let's go out and catch up on our family, on the kids, on, on all of that different thing. How many times have you done that? And how many times do you fail to keep that appointment? Time goes by and friends drift away. Before you know it, you don't know anything about them. You know, we can, we, Christians can get in that same kind of thing. We, we can come to church or not, or, or we can read our Bibles or not, or, or we can uh, pray or not. We can spend time with God or not. The bottom line is that you need to get together with Jesus every day. Nothing, 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 nothing has more influence on the quality of your life than the amount of time you spend with Jesus. And yet we don't do it. And one of the reasons we don't do it is because Satan doesn't want us to do it. He knows how empowering spending time with Jesus is. And He doesn't want us to have that power. He doesn't want us to have that in our lives. And so He uses all kinds of excuses to keep us away. Peter was a fisherman. He had a boat. He made his boat available to Jesus. He made his boat available to Jesus. Will you make your time available to Jesus? Will you spend time with Him? What do you have to do to make yourself available to Jesus? What do you have to do? You know, if I like somebody, I make time for them. When I want to spend some time with somebody, I make time out of my schedule. You know, I've never been too busy to meet with somebody I really wanted to meet with. Isn't that amazing? You can find time to do it if you want to. And so, first of all, we must get with Jesus. Number two, (laughs) we must do what He tells us to do. We must do what He tells us to do. Here again, God does not sponsor flops. Amen? You know, that, that, you know, that's the biggest issue in our world today. Man knows or thinks he knows better than God. You see, and so, so whatever seems right for us at the time, whatever seems right to our society, whatever feels good, that's what we're going to do. Instead of looking at the Word of God and what God says. There's all kinds of social issues out there. You know, people say this is right when 2,000 years of Christianity said it's wrong. But there are Christians today who say, well, you know what, my gut says it's right. And so that's what we're going to do. Well, you know, here again, I've always felt like God's prohibitions in the Bible were there 
to protect us. It's like it's like a parent. You know, my, my dad used to say, my dad always had all these colorful sayings. And, uh, you know, he used to say, well, you know, son, that's the reason why we didn't let you give you a razor blade and let you go out and play on the freeway. Because we cared about you. Because we don't want anything to happen to you. Because we love you. And, and when God says in his word, do not do something, he means don't do it. Because that's his loving parentage of us protecting us from what is not good for us. Because who created us? He knows best. He knows best. But, you know, we think we know best. Our world certainly knows best. But we must do what he tells us to do. Sometimes when someone tells us something to do, our pride gets in the way. How many, how many times have, has somebody told you something and you knew it was true, but because you didn't like them, you didn't want to do it? I Man, I've been that way. I bowed my neck. I don't care if it is true. I don't like who told me. You know, sometimes Satan can get us looking at God like that and thinking God's a killjoy and he, he doesn't want us to have fun or he doesn't want us to live our lives or he doesn't want us to be self-actualized, you know, all that. And, and the bottom line is we need to do what Jesus tells us to do. Notice Peter was a fisherman. <laughs> Peter was a fisherman. When Jesus told him how to fish, Peter could have said, You know, Jesus, you're a good teacher, but I'm a fisherman. I understand fish. I know how to fish. Yeah, you, you handle that spiritual stuff. I'll handle the, the, the fishing stuff. During the holidays, I was down in, in Brownsville uh, visiting Melissa's family, and I was staying in a place that had a rasaka behind it. You know what a rasaka is? It's, a, it's, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, a, a river that goes nowhere, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's like a big lake. That, that's kind of long and skinny. And so it was behind the house. And so they had some fishing equipment there. And I thought, I hadn't fished in forever. So I would get up before everybody else got up. And I would go out there with a, with a bobber and I would fish. It was so much fun. So relaxing. And I was out there and, 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 uh, and, and I knew that the best fishing would be early in the morning. And guess what it was? And then when Melissa's daughters would wake up a little bit later, thank you, and they would wake up and they would come out and they'd say, we want to fish, we want to fish. And they would go out there and it would be hot. Guess what? The fish weren't biting anymore. I'm not a fisherman and I know that. This is just a little side issue. The next, one morning I'm out there with my little bobber and you know what? Something kept stealing my bait and I just couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. You ever been in that situation? You know, couldn't get it. Till finally I got it. It was a great big old turtle that had been stealing my bait. You know, back in those days, they, they didn't fish out in the deep water. Most historians said they fished close to the bank. They fished early in the morning. And Jesus said, go out in the deep water. Cast out your nets. And instead of saying, oh, Jesus, I, I know. Peter said, okay, okay. How many Christians today do you know say, well, you know what? I, I believe in Jesus, but, but you know what? In this situation, I just know better. 
Now, they don't say that out loud, but in their heart and their actions they say it. And so, we must get with Jesus and we must do what Jesus tells us to do. Peter didn't fuss with him. Peter didn't fight with him. Peter just obeyed. And he took a risk. I mean, they, you know, historians say that a lot of fishermen didn't even know how to swim. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing to me. That's one of the reasons they didn't go out in the deep water. So going out in that deep water was a risk, too. It was a risk, too. We must get with Jesus. We must do what he tells us to do. Number three, we must believe God's promises. We must believe God's promise. They had been fishing all night, but they went out again because Jesus told them to go out again. Peter believed enough to act. You know, how many times in my ministry have people said, Pastor, that sounds all really good, but you don't know my circumstances. My circumstances are different. My circumstances are worse than that. If you just knew my circumstances, you wouldn't be saying that. Uh, you know, notice the circumstances were exactly the same as when they had failed. <laughs> Nothing had changed. They had failed in that same lake with that same boat, with those same nets at that same, you know, area. Nothing had changed. Jesus didn't say, we're going to go to this other lake over here because the fishing's better. Well, circumstances were the same. The only difference was the presence of Jesus. That was the only difference in the circumstances. You hear what I'm saying? The only difference was the presence of Jesus. And so, we need to understand that we need to believe in God's promises. I don't know what to do. That's okay. That's okay. God's the one that's going to lead you and show you when the time comes. One of my mentors died this last week, a guy by the name of Paul Powell. Paul was absolute giant in the Baptist church for, for many, many years. He pastored the largest Baptist church west of the Mississippi for many years. He, 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 pastored, he became the president of the Southern Baptist Convention Annuity Board, which if you're a preacher really is important to you because they, they, you know, they control all your money and your retirement and things. And then he became the president of, of Truett Seminary and, and just absolutely a giant of a man, you know, in, in Baptist life, in, in Christian life around Texas especially and, and around the world. Well, he died this last week, and, and I'll never forget, I did a paper on him when I was, uh, when I was uh, working on my Ph.D. Uh, I had a preaching class. And our assignment for the whole semester, for the whole semester, our assignment was to pick a preacher and to meet that preacher and to get to know that preacher and to ask them, how do you study and how do you develop your sermons and how do you do this and how do you do that and how do you put it all together? And then after you do all that, then you're supposed to listen to a bunch of their sermons and you're supposed to critique their sermons and tell them what they do good and what they do bad. Well, like any strong leader, Paul was pretty strong-headed too. He didn't like the things I said were bad about his sermons, okay? <laughs> but, you know, the, the bottom line was that we be, over that time we became friends. And he, he took an interest in this young preacher's life. 
And he was at Green Acres in Tyler, Texas, like I said, a, a megachurch before megachurches existed, about 17,000 members 40 years ago. And, and he got the call to go to the annuity board here in Dallas. And, and I asked him, I said, Paul, how do you know it's God's will for you to go to the annuity board? How do you know, man? And he said, Dal, I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. He said, I think this is what God wants me to do. But he said, talk to me in six months and I'll tell you if it's the right idea. And you know, that gave this young preacher such great comfort if this giant of the faith doesn't always know exactly what to do, then it's okay for me to not know exactly sometimes either. And it's okay for you too, you see. And God works it out in His timing. And so, we must believe in God's promises. Okay, here's one that you're going to think is silly, but, but you need to do it. You need to accept His blessings. You need to accept His blessings. This seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> you know, it seems like a no-brainer, but sometimes people have a hard time accepting God's blessings. They believe they don't deserve to be happy. Some people are so comfortable in their uncomfortableness that the thought of being happy or having fulfillment or joy in their life just scares them to death. Oh, I'm, I'm happy in my unhappiness. I'm comfortable in my uncomfortableness. My goodness, if, if things started going my way, if, God, if I really felt blessed from God, I, what would I have to talk about? The only thing I have to talk about now is poor me. You ever known people like that? Yeah. And so we need, to, we need to be able to accept God's blessings. Here again, it was just Christmas time. If you give a gift to someone you love, you want them to accept it. Amen? You don't want them to say, oh, you know, I don't deserve that. You, can I say something? Deserve has nothing to do with it. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But God loves you. And He wants to bless you. You want to accept His blessing. Number five, you must get over your shame and your fear. You must get over your shame and your fear. What did Simon Peter say when the nets were full? What did he do? How did he respond? Did he come up and slap Jesus on the back and say, Wow, I need to take you fishing with me more often. No, he didn't do that. What did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees and in fear and trembling, and he said, get away from me because I'm a sinful man. Get away from me because I'm a sinful man. You see, Simon Peter understood the power and the glory and the Godhead of Jesus at that moment, and in comparison to that, his life looked pretty bad. And he felt pretty sinful. And, and, and he said, get away from me. Get away from me. I, I don't want to be in your presence. Now, did Jesus get away from him? No. 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 As a matter of fact, Jesus invited him 
to come along. He invited them to come along. You see, we must get over our shame and our fear. And we must trust Jesus above all else. You know, they, they, had, been, they had been working all night long. Jesus said, trust me. Peter did. Jesus blessed him. And he'll do the same for me and you. What did Jesus do? He said, let me tell you. You've been, you've been, you've been fishing for fish. Come with me. Because from now on, you're going to be fishing for men. You're going to be fishing for men. He didn't look at Peter and say, oh, yeah, you are a pretty sinful dude. Get away from me. He said, no, you're part of the team now. You're part of the team now, Peter. You're one of my men now. You're one of my guys. And Jesus wants to say to you, no matter how, no matter how shameful you may feel, no matter how sinful you may feel, no matter how, how uncomfortable you may feel when you understand the righteousness of a holy God. God wants you to be on his team. He wants you to be a part of the family. He wants you to come along and be a part of his work. Minnie Louise wrote this about the new year. And I said to the man who stands at the gate of the new year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And the man replied, go into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than any known way. No, I'm not going to give you a light. I want you to walk into the darkness. And as you walk into the darkness, put your hand into the hand of God. That will be better for you. Do you believe putting your hand in the hand of God is safer than having a light to shine and show you the way? It is because He is the God who created you. He cares for you. He knows what's going to happen this year. You know, people get into predestination, this, that, and the other. I don't believe in predestination in the sense that God causes things to happen. I believe He's given us free will. And we have free will to make our own choices. But our God is not limited by the limitations that we have. And He knows, even though we have free will, He knows the decisions we'll make before we make them. He knows what's going to happen this next year. He knows what's going to happen in your life. And He loves you. And that's the reason why He wants to give you good advice. He wants you to listen to Him and do what He wants you to do. Will you, in 2017, get with Jesus? Will you do what He tells you to do? Will you believe His promises? Will you accept His blessings? Will you leave behind your shame and your fears? Will you trust in Jesus above all else? You do these things, no matter what your circumstances in 2017, and, and, and life has taught me one thing, I don't know what tomorrow holds. But we know that we don't have to walk it alone. 
if we're going with Jesus. God has asked us to do something until Jesus comes back. Jesus said, until I come back, I want you to gather around the table. I want you to take bread and I want you to break it. I want you to remember that this is my body broken for you. I want you to eat it in remembrance of me. I want you to take a cup, cup of fruit of the vine, and I want you to take that and I want you to remember that this is my blood which is shed for you. And I want you to do this in remembrance of me. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. But one of the ways that we can begin this 2017, and I think a wonderful and glorious way, is we can come to the Lord's table. We can get with Jesus around His table. And we can celebrate His supper. We can do what He asked us to do. He said, do this until I come back. We can, we can come here understanding that we're sinners. And yet we come knowing that Jesus loves us and we're a part of His family. So, as we start this new year, in just a few minutes, as we come together and you come forward and you take the cracker that represents Jesus' body, which is broken for you, as you take the juice, which represents His blood that was spilled for you, know, as you come, you're getting with Jesus. You're doing what He asks you to do. You're believing in His promises. You're accepting His blessings. You're leaving behind your shame and your fear. And you're trusting in Him above all else. And this is just one step as we start this new year to being the person that God wants you to be and living the life that He wants you to live.